The healthcare industry has undergone transformational change in the past 10 years, especially as it relates to the implementation of technology. Even so, there's much more to do and many companies are out there doing it, but you don't know about them. At Intrepid Healthcare, our podcast will bring you the crazy ones, the rebels, the troublemakers, the ones who see things differently. The people that are crazy enough to think they can change the world in healthcare. So sit tight and enjoy as we tell the story of another thought leading trailblazer. Welcome back to Intrepid Healthcare. I'm your host, Joe Lavelle, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation with another trailblazing innovator whose new book will help us all in our search for the perfect healthcare system. We're going to get right to it today. We're joined by Mark Britnell, chairman and partner of KPMG's Global Health Practice, and more importantly, author of In Search of the Perfect Healthcare System. Mark, welcome to the show. Good morning, Joe. Thank you so much for making the time to be here today. Before we start our discussion, could you take a few seconds and tell the audience about you and your background? Of course. Well, I spent the last 26 years of my career, in fact, all of my professional life, working in healthcare. I was a product of the Fast Track NHS Management Training Scheme and became, I think, the youngest chief exec of one of our largest teaching hospitals, the University Hospital Birmingham, where I spent eight years helping to build what is the singularly largest hospital in the history of the National Health Service. I then went on to lead the NHS from Oxford to the Isle of Wight, and I became a director general for the Department of Health in the NHS before leaving six years ago to join KPMG as the global chairman and senior partner for health. And over the last six years, I've had the pleasure and privilege of working in 60 countries on about 200 occasions. So each year visiting between 30 and 35 countries to support our member firms and of course to serve clients as well. Great. Could you also take a couple minutes and provide our audience with a 10,000-foot overview of your book, In Search of the Perfect Health System? Well, three years ago, two colleagues, Lord Nigel Crisp and Sir Robert Naylor, who are great healthcare friends, suggested that I write a book. And of course, during all my country visits, I scribble notes down on planes, trains, and automobiles. And last year, finally decided to commit to writing a book. The book is my observation of a health practitioner who now leads a successful global health practice looking at countries, not clients, of course, because of confidentiality. And the book is split into four parts. The first part looks at 12 facets of high-performing health systems around the world and comments on the countries that are developing those. The second part of the book looks at 25 countries, roughly half of the countries that I've worked in, and tries to be even-handed looking at the pros and cons and the strengths and weaknesses of those systems. The third part of the book looks at seven global tectonic forces at play in healthcare, ranging from future workforce availability, the power of patients, the paradox and nature of change, climate change and sustainability, aging in universal healthcare, to name but a few. And the final chapter, which I think is suitably entitled, We Wouldn't Start From Here, 
looks at some of the future near emerging trends and pinpoints five in particular that I think will have an impact on global healthcare sooner rather than later. I've written the book from a practitioner's perspective and every chapter your audience will be pleased to know can be read in the time that it takes to drink a cup of coffee. It's designed to appeal to executives and clinical practitioners who are very busy in their professional lives and haven't got time, dare I say it, to read great big academic tomes. So I hope that people will pick up the book. Uh, I'm pleased to tell you that we've already received over 340 million impressions from the four countries that I've uh, launched the book in already. And those countries are England, India, the United States and Canada. And I'm now off over the next period until Christmas to launch the book in Australia, Hong Kong and China, where I'm pleased to report the Chinese like it so much. They're having it translated into their language. So I'm very excited about that. Great. One of my mentors taught me to put the cash register at the front of the line. So let's do it this way. What does the perfect healthcare system look like? Well, to save your listeners the trouble of reading the entire book, although, of course, I hope they do, I conclude there is no such thing as the perfect health system, but there are brilliant examples of excellent health and healthcare around the world. And I talk about 12 facets of high-performing systems, which range from the values in universal healthcare of the NHS in the United Kingdom, that talk about the research and development strength of the United States, that look at the innovation flair and speed of India, the health promotion and prevention of the Nordic countries, the choice of France, the aged care of Japan, the information communications technology of Singapore, and also they look at issues of public and community empowerment. And specifically, I look at examples in Brazil for great community empowerment. I look at Australia for great mental health care. And I also pinpoint exciting developments in Africa where patients are being used as partners in healthcare and communities as carers. So if you like, I say there is no such thing as the perfect health system, but then go on to describe these 10 to 12 facets of great healthcare in different countries, and I put them all together. What are the best lessons, Mark, that we can learn from healthcare systems around the globe? Well, that's a great question. It's also a big question. Um, I think there are two or three key messages that I try to preach. The first one is that we all have something to teach and something to learn, both as individuals, as organizations, and also as countries. And my book tries to be even-handed with the facts and the observations and practices that I've engaged with and observed, and tries to infuse the reader to take inspiration from great healthcare around the world. So the first conclusion is that we all have something to teach and something to learn. The second conclusion following on from that, Joe, is given that the health industry is the second largest global industry on the planet, second to only agriculture, we don't do a great job of learning from each other and trying to implement and execute what works. So I call in the book for new learning and more than new learning, new cooperation and collaboration. Because 
We all die of similar conditions and diseases. There are more similarities than differences in health. And other industries such as defense or telecommunications or energy and natural resources both manage to collaborate and compete. And we don't seem to do that very well. The third broad conclusion that I draw is looking at innovations that have been adopted at scale and at speed quickly. And of course, when you think about the changes in the Chinese health system and their reforms, or indeed the reforms in the United States of America, they do often take at least a decade to materialize. And what I do in my book is look at changes which occur more quickly than that, so that practitioners aren't left thinking at the end of it, the read that that is, what should I do, that they are directed to practical examples of change that's happened and benefited patients and population health. Mark, how does the U.S. healthcare system compare with other countries? Well, in one sense, we know that it is a global research and development powerhouse. America spends more on health research and development than all of the European Union combined. It also has more Nobel Prize winners in pharmaceuticals and medical devices than any other country. So in that sense, it does remarkably well. But of course, you pay for that at a high cost. Your GDP spend at nearly 18% is the highest in the world. Your average life expectancy is two years less than the OECD average. And therefore, I think a lot of value is destroyed or not created and captured in the American healthcare system. Now, I'm not telling your listeners anything they don't know. But I do think there are examples of uh, great integrated health systems, such as Geisinger, which I talk about in my book, which thrive almost in spite of the American healthcare system. I note that um, the Affordable Care Act is trying to make progress, but also remark on the very high costs of that reform program as well. And of course, that reform program is still a work in progress. I talk about the asymmetries of power between patients, health plans, and health providers, and talk about the need for better integrated care as being better to produce higher quality care at lower costs. I think everyone knows that often American healthcare innovates very quickly, and some parts of America adopt new technology more quickly than other parts of the world. But the system is fundamentally fractured, it is deeply divided. It is politically toxic, and therefore I conclude that I hope that these reforms will change healthcare for the better, because I don't believe so much political energy will be spent on this matter again for another generation or so. But I still think, in spite of 17 million people receiving extra healthcare insurance, actually making changes inside the health industry itself will take more time, effort, and energy. So, in a sense, that's a short answer to a very big question. People still look at the United States and, I think, congratulate its innovation, but also look at its dysfunctionality as well. So, as I said earlier in the interview, every country has something to teach and learn, and that surely applies to the United States of America as well. Besides the innovation engine, what are some of the positive changes you've seen in how the U.S. is looking to reform our healthcare system? I think there are um, uh, three big changes that I see that make sustainable change stick. The first is to make sure that any integrated care or coordinated care is coordinated and integrated from the patient's perspective. All too often we have organizational changes, uh, mergers and acquisitions that pretend to improve patient pathways 
but often try to protect the status quo. So the first point is, to make sustainable change happen, you have to build it from the patient's perspective. Secondly, you need to give clinicians great tools and techniques to understand and implement change, specifically in terms of Six Sigma and Lean, but also to make sure that clinicians have a much better understanding of process flow and health system and ecosystem development. And thirdly, we need health executives and leaders who are capable of not only leading their own organizations, but putting their leadership of that particular organization in wider context of the health system or region in which they operate. All these three changes are easy to say and very difficult to do. But in all of the 60 countries that I've worked in, I find that these three common characteristics secure sustainable change, or at least stand a much better chance of securing sustainable change than fashionable theories or new fad and fangled ideas. Great. Thanks for that, Mark. What are some of the most important areas in which the U.S. leads the healthcare innovation? I think it's around the work that, say, for example, Virginia Mason has done in safety science. I think some of the outcome measures in some of your more well-known health systems, such as the Mayo Clinic and the Cleveland Clinics, I think these have global applicability. And the power of those brands does travel globally as well. So they would just be two examples of where I think American capability is respected around the world and indeed copied and adopted and adapted. Mark, what's next for the healthcare in the U.S.? What do you think the next one to three years looks like? Well, that's a great question. And of course, I spend a lot of time working through the middle of America and on its east and west coast as well. I come to America between four and six times a year. And to be honest with you, when I ask health executives and clinicians what's going to happen, they often say you'd either have to be a fool or a genius to predict how the Affordable Care Act and the industry will translate and transform in the future. So certainly as an Englishman, I'm not going to fall into the trap of giving you a clairvoyance answer. There are three clear trends that I see that I think will survive any political reform or economic cycles. And they are, first of all, the convergence around value between payor and provider. I think there will be less reliance on the volume of care and more on the value of care. That's the first point. The second point is, I think, especially in America, the power of the consumer and their influence over their insurer and health system Although I think that power relationship is asymmetrical, I think the power of the consumer will continue to increase in America. And that will mean that new forms of healthcare, which are enabled by technology around retail care, as we're seeing now with the likes of Walmart and others, I think that force is unstoppable. And thirdly, I think there will continue to be a downward pressure on cost and prices. And although, of course, the economic growth of America is still relatively modest, I think you will see pressure from consumers and employers to make sure that America doesn't slip back into volume-inspired and fueled 
cost growth above normal lines of economic growth. Now, we do know, of course, that in recent surveys, healthcare inflation has dropped to 4%. That's still, of course, about 2% greater than your national growth. But I expect over the next three years that conversation to continue and to become more active. So I think there'll be attempts to cost restructure, there will be more mergers and acquisitions, and I think the industry will continue to consolidate. Some, of course, argue that's business as usual. I think it's the beginning of a trend that will continue in terms of the pursuit of value-based care. Great. Thank you so much again for those great observations and looking into your crystal ball. Mark, what have we missed? What else will a reader of In Search of the Perfect Health System learn? Well, I think one of the most interesting things about the book, and this is what people have told me, is that we know a lot about European systems. We know a lot about North American systems. A lot's been written about these systems over the decades. But what's quite fresh, I think, and forward-thinking in my book, or at least I hope it is, is the concentration on the East and the way that they are starting to adopt and adapt innovations from elsewhere. But increasingly now, I think the West has more to learn from the East than vice versa in some respects. So I hope when people read the book, they will appreciate that I start my first nine chapters are about countries in the East and what we can learn in the West from them. And as I say, I've been told that's a very refreshing perspective and something which people haven't really stopped and thought about before. So I think that's quite new in the book. And certainly I think it will give the readers and your listeners a great cause, I hope, for excitement and some inspection. Great. Mark, as we wrap up here, before I let you go, where can people go to contact you and learn more about the book and purchase the book in search of the perfect health system? Well, if anybody wants to email me, I'm at mark.britnell at kpmg.co.uk. I'm based in London and spend probably one week in four in England, obviously I'm traveling the rest of the time. If they would like to order a copy of the book, they can go to Palgrave. The publishers are Palgrave Macmillan. You can go to the Palgrave website and order from there. And of course, there's always Amazon and other outlets such as that. It's, I think, selling well, and it's important for your listeners to know that I'm not making any money out of this. I survived prostate cancer at the age of 42, and all of my personal royalties are going to my charity, Prostate Cancer UK. So you can not only read the book and hopefully be educated, you can also contribute to a very good cause as well. Mark, I read it. It's a great book. I highly recommend it to all our listeners. Buy it, read it. After you get done reading it, pass it on to a colleague. That's the way we're all going to learn and make a better healthcare system. So, Mark, it was so great to have you. Thanks for stopping by and sharing your great wisdom with us. Well, thank you so much, Joe, for your most interesting questions. I wish you and your listeners a very Merry Christmas and, and all the best in everything they do for healthcare in your country. Thanks so much for that. That wraps this broadcast. On behalf of our guest, Mark Britnell, I'm Joe Lavelle, and we'll see you soon on Intrepid Healthcare. Mm-hmm.